So imagine you are doing everything right. You are talking to sellers every day. You've got a ton of seller leads, but you keep hearing something. You keep hearing the word no. You keep hearing you're offering too low. I am not going to take that offer. I would rather just keep the house and stay a landlord. I would rather do anything but take that offer that you just gave me. If you keep hearing that, I'm going to tell you the number one reason you are. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Hey guys, this is Lauren Hardy with Wholesaling Inc. Before I dive into the episode today, I want to let you in on a little secret. I'm releasing a 2.0 version of my program, Virtual Investing Mastery. This is a comprehensive program that'll teach you how I've closed hundreds of real estate deals from across the country. This program is for any experience level. If you've never done a wholesale deal, or maybe you've done deals, but you wanna learn how to do them virtually, we have you covered. This program includes the comprehensive Virtual Investing Mastery e-course, weekly live coaching calls, a forum where you can ask me questions every day, and and monthly in-person meetings at my office in California. Can you really close deals on the other side of the country without leaving your house? The answer is yes. Go to www.virtualinvestingmastery.com and apply today. Now let's get into the episode. Today, we're going to talk about the real reason that you are not getting deals. So anytime I hear from one of my students that, you know, they're doing everything right, but just sellers want too much money these days. Anytime I hear students start exaggerating, like anytime I talk to a seller, they say no, that they could just list their property on the market. And this is what every single seller says to me. I can't get one seller to say yes. I've talked to so many sellers and just every seller will not take my offer. I haven't gotten any deals and I've talked to so many sellers. Anytime I hear students get on, you know, that pattern, that rant of exaggeration a little bit. I always know that I need to run diagnostics on their business. So what I call running diagnostics is this. Imagine that your business is a machine. And when you have a machine and there's something going on in your machine and it seems to be broken, it's not producing what it used to produce or what it should produce, you get a repair technician in. And what do they do? The first thing they do is they run diagnostics to figure out what is broken in the machine. And man, machines, they have so many components and so many parts. And that's exactly how a business is. There's so many components and so many parts of a business. And if you do one thing wrong, it can break your whole machine. It could get you terrible results because you got one thing broken in your machine. So what I call running diagnosis is something that I do on my coaching calls all the time with students. I've got a flow. I've got a way I do it. And when I do this, I can always hear what's broken in the machine. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you how I run diagnostics with people. And I'm going to share with you the number one reason that most people hear this and are having a hard time tying up deals right now. So the first part of my process in running diagnostics is I want to get the facts. I don't want to hear exaggerations, okay? So exaggerations sound like this. Every seller is saying no. 
Seriously, like all the sellers right now, they keep saying that they would rather let their house go into foreclosure than sign my offer. Seriously, I've heard it from so many sellers, that exact thing. Okay, I'm gonna stop you right now. Not every seller, I think you probably heard that once and you're now exaggerating and saying every seller is saying this wild statement and that is not true. So what I want is I want facts when I run diagnostics. Do not give me exaggerations. The first thing I'm going to ask is how many leads are we talking about? How many sellers have you talked to? And I need an exact number. You better have a number. You need a CRM, okay? This is where a CRM is going to help you. You better have a number for me when I'm running diagnostics or I can't help you. If you need a CRM recommendation, go to ReSimply. It's amazing. You need a CRM. You need to be able to tell me, I've talked to 45 leads. That's the answer I want. So when I ask you how many leads you've got and you respond with something like, say, 40, I talked to 40 people, I would tell you, okay, you're on the right track. So far, you've got enough leads in your machine. When I hear, well, I talked to five people. Okay, come on. This business isn't that easy. If you think that only talking to five sellers is going to get you a deal that closes you $20,000, you've got another thing coming, okay? If the business was that easy, everybody would be doing it. So say you give me the answer 40. Next, I'm going to ask you, so of those 40 sellers that you talked to, how many offers did you make? And the response is important. If you tell me that you made offers on 20 of those or more, I'm going to say, okay, you're good still. You're still good. If you answer with say 20 or less, I'm going to say you're the problem. So a common area that people really mess up here is they talk to, say, 40 sellers, and then they start over-qualifying the sellers based on the dialogue they had with the seller, and they don't make offers. And that is a cardinal rule. I'm going to tell you, don't break it. Every seller gets an offer. I don't care what the seller says. I don't care if the seller doesn't have the 16 peers or pillars of motivation. Every seller gets an offer. If you are on my team, every seller gets an offer because That seller that said they wanted above Zestimate, believe it or not, in six weeks might come back to you saying that they would take the price that you offered them. More times, I can't even tell you how many times my team has made offers to a seller that was super high on their price in that first initial call, and they eventually get the seller to come down in price. But if you are overqualifying your seller leads and not giving them an offer because they gave you some high price, now that seller's not even gonna have a chance to think about your offer. So you're never going to be able to turn, you know, that seller into a true deal. If you don't really go through the whole process, you're never going to know. So every seller gets an offer. So if you answer that question, I got 40 leads, but you only made five offers, you're the problem. And that's the break in your machine. You need to change your process and every seller gets an offer. Okay, so now let's say that you're doing everything right still and you still are hearing no, 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 you're coming in too low. So say you answered the question with, I made 20 offers or more than that, right? What are you doing wrong? Okay, this is the big one. This is why you're listening to this episode. You are offering too low. Chances are you got some sort of offer price philosophy or formula from a YouTube video or another educator, and they gave you a formula. The formulas I'm going to review next. 
But what's probably happened is, this is my guess, because I know to ask this question next. I'm not my first rodeo, okay? You probably are utilizing a formula that is making your offer price too low, and you need to adjust your offer pricing philosophy today. Because I'm going to tell you this, and I will argue it till I'm blue in the face. These formulas don't work in every market. So what's unfortunate is you'll have a YouTuber or an educator who works this one market say, oh, you should use this formula, but you're in a completely different market and that formula doesn't work there. And you end up offering too low or even maybe too high because that formula doesn't work there. So I'm going to share with you next the formula that works everywhere. But before I do that, let's go into some formula examples that I've heard that I would like you to completely remove out of your process. The first one is the 70% minus repair rule. So what that is, is you take the ARV and you multiply it by 70%, then you minus whatever repair estimate you came up with on this house. This rule is junk. Please stop using it. It's seriously dumb. Stop using it. But I promise you, this rule doesn't work. It is an amateur rule and it doesn't work. It's actually what a lot of amateurs do. Please stop utilizing this rule. The reason it doesn't work is a couple things. Number one, 70%. Who made that up? Who got that? That number didn't work. It does not work in today's marketplace in most territories in the country. Most territories are about 85%. If you live in Southern California, it's like 95%. So do the math. Take a house that's $500,000 and see how your offer price changes when you do 70%, 80%, 90%. Now imagine you're a seller getting that offer price. And if you have another investor you're talking to, and maybe one used 80% and one used 70%, who's going to win, right? So this formula doesn't work. The other thing that this formula does, which is a huge disservice, is that it is assuming you're a rehabber. It is assuming that the end play on this house is you're going to fix it up and you're going to flip it like HGTV style. And I'll tell you, in many markets, that's not the best play. The best play is to maybe turn the house into a rental. Landlord buyers pay more than house flippers. And the reason is they pay based off the rent the property generates and they don't fix up the house the way a house flipper would. So a house flipper might need to repair the home and spend $50,000. So ARV, you know, times 70 minus 50,000, right? But a landlord buyer might put $5,000, clean the thing up and put a tenant in there. So that tells you, you are assuming that your end buyer is a flipper and your end buyer might not be. It might be a landlord market where all your competition is a bunch of landlords. So who's gonna win? The landlord buyer offering more money. So I think you got the point. ARV times, you know, a certain percentage does not work in all markets. So stop using that today. The next formula I've heard is Zestimate times 0.65 or 65% of Zestimate. I've heard people quote 55%. I've heard people quote 75%. This rule, again, doesn't work in all scenarios. There's a couple reasons. 
Number one, Zestimate isn't always right. We know this, right? Zestimate is an algorithm. It's not like Zillow has someone in each market, an appraiser that goes house to house to house and puts in the value that they assess. No, it's all done by an algorithm, by a computer, and that computer makes assumptions. And those assumptions could be incorrect because the subject property has something that a computer can't really wrap its head around. So don't rely on Zestimate. Are Zestimates close sometimes? Yeah, they are, sure. In some markets, Zestimate gets pretty darn close, but it's still not something that you want to rely on. The other thing is the assumption of 65%. Well, I'll tell you what, some areas, your end buyers want a better deal. So you need to do 55%. Some areas, the sellers have so many investors knocking on their door that you need to be more competitive and you need to do 70%. So how are you going to win over that seller when you don't really know what percentage to use and you're using Zestimate, which could be completely wrong. It could be too low and now you just came in too low. So another formula I'm not a fan of. Now, the next formula I'm going to talk about is one I've actually never heard. So what I'm instead going to say is random formulas that you put together somehow because you watch one YouTube video. I have no idea where some of these formulas come from, but this one was very unique and I'm going to share it in case this is something that's floating around. I literally just heard about this formula in the last day. I had someone, a student, tell me that the way he came up with offer prices is he takes the average sale price, you know, the per square foot sale price. So say, you know, houses in the area are selling for $100 per square foot. He would take that $100 per square foot and instead he would minus $5 just so he got it cheaper. So he would do $95 per square foot times the square footage of the subject property. I have no idea where he came up with this idea, but that's what he would do. And then, so say, for example, it's a thousand square foot property. I come up with an offer of say $95,000. Then he would minus his desired wholesale fee. So he would say he wanted to make, you know, $15,000 of a wholesale fee. So he would offer the seller $80,000 because he wants that wholesale fee. Well, I'll tell you what, I have no idea where you came up with that one, but it's wrong. Don't do it. Just don't do that method. It doesn't work. So for a couple reasons, price per square foot doesn't work in all areas. Hate to break the news to you, but price per square foot does not work in all markets. It also doesn't work in all types of properties. So if you have a row house versus a detached single family home in Philadelphia, that row house is going to go for a different price per square foot than the detached single family home in the area. Even if it's in the same street, it's going to be different. So don't use price per square foot in every single market. It doesn't work. If it works for your market, it could be a way you come up with pricing, but it shouldn't be your only way. Price per square foot also doesn't work in very high price markets. It didn't work in my local market in you know Orange County. So that's the first reason that thing is wrong, right? The next is this theory of subtracting your desired wholesale fee. Whoever taught that to you, I don't know. Just remove it from your brain, right? Pretend you're like we're men in black right now, you know, in that movie and I hold that thing and I like erase all your memories. Erase that memory that you get to dictate your wholesale fee. We are in a seller's market. So the seller isn't going to care what you want for the property because they've got five other investors that they can call. So you need to make sure that you are offering a price that meets the seller's expectation, but also meets your end buyer's 
expectation as well. And that's a delicate balance. But in a seller's market, you don't have the luxury of determining that you want a $15,000 wholesale fee. So you're just going to offer that and stick to your guns. You're just not going to get any contracts. And that's exactly why you're not closing any deals right now. Okay, so you know how I feel about all these rules and formulas. So what actually works? I'm going to give you the method that I use to come up with offer pricing that works in every single market. But first, I want you to use your imagination a little bit because it's easier if I explain it to you in this way and it's going to make perfect sense when I'm done. I want you to imagine that you are either buying or selling a used Chevy Tahoe. So if you were, say, buying or selling a used car, let's say that we are selling our used car. So we're the seller and it's a used 2010 Chevy Tahoe. What's the first thing you're going to do? to come up with that price that you think is fair to put out there for buyers. You're gonna probably go on Kelly Blue Book and you're gonna put some information about your car you know, on that website and they're gonna spit out a price and they're probably gonna show you some listings of similar Chevy Tahoes that sold you know, around that range. So say, you know, it's, I have no idea, but I'm just going to say $10,000 is the going rate, right? Between $10,000 and $12,000 is the going rate for a used Chevy Tahoe. That's 2010. That's in like average condition. It's functional. It might be a little dirty because it's old, you know, but it still works fine. There's no major repairs, right? So I want you to think of these properties as a used car and don't overcomplicate it. I want you to ask yourself, what are other investors paying for a house just like this one? So when you have that question in your mind, you're gonna go and you're gonna look for comps utilizing whatever tool, batchleads.io, PropStream, Zillow, whatever tool you use to comp houses out. And you're gonna look for what other investors are paying for houses that are similar. Try to find the houses that look similar to yours in condition. So you're gonna look at some photos and you're going to keep track of the prices in the area. And often you're going to see that there's a pattern that they kind of go between a certain range. And that is going to be the price range that you are going to offer the seller. So I'm going to give you another analogy. Let me take you back. All right. Remember when you were buying your first house for your family and maybe you haven't done this yet, you know, in your journey in your life, but follow me here. Pretend you are buying your first house for you or your family. Did you or would you utilize some sort of ARV times repair or ARV times percentage minus repair rule? No, you wouldn't do that. You would use your eyeballs. You would go look at a bunch of homes that are in the neighborhood that you are interested in. You would then take mental notes of what these houses look like and which ones you liked more and the conditions. Maybe you would have poor condition, okay condition, good condition, excellent condition. You would probably just think of it in terms like that. And you would then look at the prices that they, you know, are being offered at. You know, you'd say, okay, on the low end, these houses are go for 275,000, but they're like, you know, in really poor condition. And then on the high end, it's like, 325, right? You would just come up with a price range, you know, based on the homes and how they looked. And you would come up with a price that was fair to you, right? You wouldn't overthink it. You wouldn't use any formulas. What I'm telling you to do is that exact thing. I think we overcomplicate so much 
when we're trying to learn a new business. It's funny because I have said this on many YouTube videos and I can't tell you how many comments I get of like, well, then what formula do I use? It's like you guys are hung up on using formulas. And what I'm trying to explain to you is that you don't have to use a formula. You could use your eyes and you use comps. That's what you do. An appraiser doesn't use formulas the same way we would do it. I'm not even quite sure where, you know, this notion that we have to use formulas to make offer prices even started, but it obviously started somewhere and it spread like wildfire, you know, through the wholesaling community. You don't have to use a formula. You can really just keep it simple and use comps. So that is the number one reason that you are hearing sellers say no to your offer. But if you can make this small adjustment and get your offer pricing right and make sure you are staying competitive with what they are hearing from other wholesalers, you are going to start hearing yes even more. Now, of course, there's gonna be sellers that just want higher prices and that a market sale is more in line with what they want or what they expect, and that's fine. But if you are offering, and maybe you've made now 20 to say 40 offers, and you know, you're gonna see if your offer pricing is competitive, with your other wholesaler competition in the area, you are going to hear yes. You really are. You're gonna hear yes more. It really was that you were just simply offering too low. So hopefully this was some good advice. I put a lot in this episode and you're probably gonna have to listen to it a few times to really, really grab everything that I'm trying to say. But hopefully you got something out of it. And if you need some more help in your wholesaling journey, I wanna help you. Go to www.virtualinvestingmastery.com and fill out an application today. Someone on my team will be in touch with you within the day and they will let you know how I can help you in your wholesaling journey. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will see you next time. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.